Welcome to New Type Flash. This is a podcast where every other week we bring you a Gundam Universal Century story in a more or less chronological fashion, um, or at least we try to. Uh, this week we are bringing 0080 War in the Pocket to you. Um, we're not completely sure if this is going to be one or two episodes. We're aiming for it to be one, but... Um, YOLO. Uh, We're going to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> you got your three hosts. I am Lane. We've got Scotty P. What's going on? Now, just to make sure that we definitely did get this done in one episode, um, I just want to mention that this series starts on December 9th of 0079. And the most recent thing you would have seen in Mobile Suit Gundam would have been, uh, it would have happened on December 4th of 0079, and that was the white base leaving side six and taking out the Conscon fleet. So this gives you your context of where, uh, or excuse me, of when it is happening, and then the where most of the series is on another colony in Side 6, uh, Bunch 35, Liebot. There's a little bit of Granada in the series, but it's mostly just on this one colony. Mm -hmm. And we also have Luke. Say hi, Luke. Hi. <laughs> Are we doing intros? My bad. Shut up. No, I, so I like this. We've gotten into this thing where whenever I introduce Scotty, he like gives us a random fact, and then I introduce Luke, and he says hi, and then we go. <laughs> so I like this. We'll we'll keep with it. We'll keep this in our uh, new thing. This is our thing. Yeah, eventually, by the end of the episode, I'll just like it'll be like, oh, and closing out, uh, Luke's here too. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, so the Federation Arctic base is in on, on Augustus Island and none of Canada. Um, yes. All right. thought you'd like facts. <laughs> <laughs> the Antarctic Treaty is important. Um, <laughs> all right, so episode one is uh, how many miles to the battlefield? So um, we, we start off and we see a we're, we're in a submarine, um, a Xeon submarine. And we see the Cyclops team launch uh, four underwater Zaku's. Um, they they were what's that? weren't they they weren't Zaku's were they? They were Zagok E's. E, there we go. That's right. Um, so yeah, so they launch. Uh, they basically surprise attack this base. They like pop up right at the edge of a, a like a port base and um they they launch this attack the federation is trying to launch some stuff um off on, on a a um old school um to us missile launch silo well it's, it looks like a shuttle like uh the old u.s shuttle fleet that they used to launch uh to like the space station and stuff yeah yeah and what's uh, on it at this point right Right, we don't know what's on it. We know that it's some Federation thing that this team does not want to get into space and that they are trying to stop. Um, I did mis misspeak a little bit. They're not all Zagakis. Um, there are a couple of them in Hygogs. Which is the only appearance of them, right, this series? Yes, yep. And in my head, I uh, I had misremembered them as K-Pools, but those are not seen again until Double Zeta and Turn A. There you yeah. go. So yeah, the the Cyclops team is trying to stop the launch, um, and we we see Andy. This is the first and last time you see Andy. Um, 
he rushes forward and he gets blown up. Um, and then the launch goes off. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And they're, uh, they're fighting GM cold types during this. And so this series is from 1989 and uh -huh. this is the, really the first time that you ever have anything that is kind of going back and they're kind of inserting some new uh, tech into the one year war that didn't canonically exist before this. You're saying this is the first series that has done that. Yeah. At that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, at this point it's uh, what is this double Zeta was a year before this or something like that. Okay, so yeah, this this aired right after Double Zeta. Uh, yeah, I was Double Zeta eighty eight or eighty seven. I don't remember, um, but anyway, this show is in eighty nine, so it's it's after that stuff. Okay, so yeah, um, and and this is this is one of those scenes where we see death, destruction, and the commander going Andy, because <laughs> um, you know this is, it kind of sets the mood for a lot of this show, where it's just like people are hopeless in this war um like and and it's interesting um and in in the hope of us not getting too derailed but the in a, in a lot of the mainline gundam shows like zeta uh, mobile suit gundam double zeta you you get these teams of people like amuro the white base um it, and basically these single guys are able to like drive the narrative of the entire show the in control of the battlefield and stuff like that and um uh eighth team and and um war in the pocket it's more of a war is hell type thing and and like this scene kind of like represents that to me as like you know not everybody's an ace pilot that's a new type that can you know take out 30 mobile suits in like a flash and those yeah. people are the ones that are suffering <laughs> in this war. Like this is supposed to be some big heroic moment for them where they're stopping this, you know, to them terrible operation for some new weapon to go into space and they just fail. They fail completely and somebody dies. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, I don't know about like chronologically in the real world, but at least chronologically in what I watched, this is the first time that they ever really seemed to focus heavily on that. Like, and it was pretty dark compared to like the original mobile suit gun. Like there were a couple instances of people dying and there being failure and stuff, but it was never played as like, you never kind of had, you never had that real gut punch. Like, like even this first scene did. Well, I yeah. think, I think in, in the main continuity, you have, you know, episodes where like Amuro loses his shit, mm -hmm. um, where um, Camille loses his shit. Uh, I don't think Judo ever really loses his shit to a mental degree like this. Like he, he has other issues, um, but like you have that, but this is kind of like, yeah, this is different because they're not just like kids that are freaking out. These are soldiers that are just like, this is like a team of special forces. soldiers yeah. who do this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of kids going through crazy shit, let's, Go back. We are going to side six. Uh, wait, yeah, side six. Um, and we see some kids in a cafeteria. Um, and that's hamburgers for lunch. <laughs> hamburgers for lunch. That is in the show. I am it. That that's what they're eating. <laughs> Did you say it was like fake meat or something like that. 
Like it is. It is thirty-eight percent signature recipe. <laughs> um, one thing to note: we kind of skipped over it, but when they were introducing all of the characters uh, in the in the Arctic scene, um, they kind of panned through the cockpits of each one, and I thought it was like really humanizing because it was they all had like customized their cockpits. Like one of them had like Playboys up, and one of them had like flask hanging, and I really liked that because it felt like it really was was good characterization for the. Um, for this team. And you don't get that a lot in a lot of the series. I don't think. Yeah. It's a uh, beating Thunderbolt to the punch on someone having porn in a cockpit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there's one of the kids has a Federation um, badge uh, from rank that he claims his brother is an MS uh, mobile suit pilot and got it. Um, this girl this bratty girl basically starts arguing with him and says, no, the Federation doesn't have mobile suits. And then, um, another, huh? I was going to say, and then like, you know, Al's like, no, I totally saw one at the shipping company. My dad works for like, I'll prove it to you. Yeah. Yeah. He says that his dad helped ship one of the Federation mobile suits. It's Um, interesting because it's shown it, it does a good, it really shows that, um, they're so detached from the war that people don't even believe that the Federation has mobile suits. Yeah. Yeah. But so we have to take an extra step here and explain side six, right? So side six at this point is a, it, it's the Federation of Rhea. Ra? Is that how you say it? Rhea. Rhea. So it's a Federation of Rhea. It's technically independent from the Federation and it's not part of Xeon and it's got a non-aggression, Swedish type um, neutrality pact with both of them, which again, just like we've said before, with the Antarctic Treaty, means a whole you know a whole hill of nothing. Hey, uh, hey, they've got actual red tape as seen in Mobile Suit Gundam. Yes, <laughs> remember they put it over the white base's cannons. The tape, yeah, literal red tape. Yeah. So, in the grand scheme of things, these kids on side six not knowing a ton about the war makes a lot of a lot more sense if you put it in that in that uh frame of reference because you know if if the people are on earth like of course they're going to know that the federation has mobile suits um if you know everybody in zeon knows that zeon has mobile suits but ria doesn't necessarily know anything unless it's like directly affecting them or on the tv so question this is where Amaro's dad was, right? Not this particular colony, but this is the side that he was at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There's yeah. Like whole, there's like a whole bunch of uh, colonies floating around here and there. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like 10, isn't it? I, I think if it doesn't work for them to be saying, oh, no, there's no Federation mobile suits if they were on the same one as White Base because there was a battle right outside that and there was like the news broadcast and all that. Uh, That's the point. So this is obviously those kids didn't see that news broadcast, uh, <laughs> but you know they're obviously on a colony that is for uh, excuse me far enough away from where White Base engaged the Conscon fleet to not have seen firsthand any of that. Yeah, and, and I think they're purposely vague with how many colonies are on each side um, because that would limit how many side stories they can write. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like when you and see. Pictures you see like just like armadas of colonies and all yeah. times. 
Yep. Um, all right. So yeah, the the, the girl kicks um, some ki- some boys in the nuts. They get in a fight, and then um, the the boys get in trouble, and the girl gives them a a snooty look in front of the teacher. Yeah, she but sucks. But anyway, so Al is saying, "I'm going to prove it." He goes home and gets his camera, and the other kids are like, "All right, if you can." Or that other kid with the rank badge is like, if you can get a picture of a Federation mobile suit, I will give you this rank badge. What was on his hat? Pop quiz. I don't remember. Luke? Um, he had a bunch of patches or buttons or something on there. He had the Anaheim logo on his on his hat. Ah, uh, okay. Right. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was cool. So it, it like hints that his dad either works for Anaheim or they're he just has a hat, but I, I, I like to believe that his dad works for Anaheim. But that was uh, the context that I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. So he gets onto the spaceport, um, and he doesn't see a, an, a mobile suit, but he does get a picture of a, of a giant shipping container labeled NT one sub subscript two. but we get to see what's in that container. We know what's in that container. He gets tossed out and pretends like he was trying to find the bathroom. (laughs) Boom, door slides open as soon as he leaves conveniently. Yeah. So um, Al is running home, uh, and he runs into Christina McKenzie, furthermore known as Chris. Um, Real real quick, just real quick before that, he lies to his dad about his grades. He does. He does imply that he's like. Uh, actually, I thought that was kind of funny because he he uh, was lit- listening off his grades, and his dad's like, "Oh yeah, you're really good at math and science." And I kind of like got Amaro vibes. Yeah. <laughs> this kid takes the worst pieces of Amaro. Uh, basically, this 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 kid takes the worst personality traits of every mobile suit pilot. And he doesn't even pilot a mobile suit. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that. There's a point at the end that I'm going to bring up where it really exemplifies him as a person and it made me not like him. Look, Al is one of the most realistic characters in universal century. You know why he's a bratty kid that acts like a bratty kid. He's naive. He's immature. He's hyper-focused on the wrong things. He is just terrible to be around like a real child. (laughs) That's the guy with no children. Fair, fair enough. Um, um, he he's a little bit of a he's a little bit exhausting. And and so he runs into Chris, and then it starts raining. Do we ever get an idea? Like this is the first time I've ever seen it like rain in a colony that it's not like poison gas related rain. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought they had made comments about them like controlling the weather for like. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So my, my comment was unscheduled rain and colonies question mark. Like um I think it's I think it's scheduled. It's just it, it, maybe they didn't know. Um because uh, uh Christina just got back yeah um from being on Earth and uh because she says, Oh, I've got some kind of government job and you see her unpacking her federation uniform. Right. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, the if I know you were going to ask about this beforehand, I could have gone and like either sat here and remembered it or looked it up or something. But 
um, yeah, there's like a, a control thing. And in this case, I think it's because there's vegetation. It's, it's basically a giant sprinkler, right? Like you yeah. gotta have your, your plants have to yeah. grow somehow. Yeah. Oh, the rain part makes a lot of sense. I, I just thought it was weird that they got caught unaware by the rain. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just kind of figure Al wouldn't know better. And Christina just got back and probably doesn't have the schedule for such things yet. Yeah, Al's like what? 11. Sure. Something like that. I mean, he's like, he's a, he's a kid. Yeah. Um, I'd say younger. He kind of, is he, I would nine? put him in elementary school, which would put him 10 at the oldest. Yeah. He seems like eight or nine. I'm going to go with nine. Uh, and I just, I, I hate Al enough that I'm not even going to try to look it up. Luke, I think you, I think you looked what you find. Uh, he is 11. 11. Okay. okay. September 20th, 0068. Um, so Al and Chris have tea together. She puts them in a pink sweater and they have uh, tea together. Yeah. Um, so Al gets home and basically you find out that Al is a shitty student and a brat. Um, and his mom like tells him to do something. And so we get like th this is really the first scene where like I hope that Al dies by the end of the series. It, where he says yes, mom, for about f the last five minutes of this show. Um, well, she tells him to like pack his PE uniform, and he's like kind of pouting about it. And he starts like in his game, he's playing this like shooter game with like a light, like a light gun, and starts blowing up hospitals and stuff. It's called Stalking Crisis. Great name. <laughs> yes, mom. Yes, mom. Yes, mom. He like loses the game because he killed too many civilians. Yeah. Um, and he's also a peeping Tom because he's like creeping out on uh, Chris while she's changing clothes or hanging out the window one. Well, I don't think he intentionally was like peeping on her. She was like hanging out the window and he was like kind of panning about and then he stopped yeah. and started yeah. watching her. I just think he's a creep and an annoying kid. So At his age, I don't think it was anything intentionally creepy. No, it wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't. Um, he has not hit puberty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we get back to school. Um, the kids are arguing about the the rank badges, and something blows up. Um, yeah, well, the girl's like, "Hey, these rank badges, you can just buy them at any store." Yeah. She yeah. wears like twenty of them. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then you see, yeah, an explosion, and the kids end up seeing a Federation suit anyway. This is a RGM seventy nine G GM Command. Which just means it's a GM and looks a little different from other GMs. It's a different kit. <laughs> yep. And it's what, fighting a Dom? Zaku. Uh, oh, is it Zaku? Yeah. yeah you know, I thought there were two different types of mobile suits here. Um, there might be. All I wrote down was Zaku. Yeah. I, I wrote down Zaku and Dom question mark. So um. I only recall. Oh, yeah. You know what? I'm looking at it now. It is definitely a Zaku and a Rick Dom. Okay, so yeah, it's getting wrecked um, by the Zaku and the Dom. Um, and so, of course, Al, being the wonderful child that he is, wants to go and help the pilot who is, like, crashing. And so he runs after the Zaku, um, goes into the woods, somehow makes it there before any police or anyone else ever makes it there. Um, <laughs> no one ever investigates the crash in the woods. That's... Uh, so yeah, he, he comes up on the Zaku 
Um, and uh, the first episode ends with uh, a pilot pointing a gun at him. If only he pulled the trigger. He's like videotaping the, uh, the Zaku at this point, and then the guy pops out and whips out his gun on him. Yeah. Now, this is a good point, since we're transitioning into episode two, to note that this episode is titled Reflections in a Brown Eye. yeah so anyway this picks up right after episode one uh al gets a gun point at him and is very happy about it he wants to see the gun he's like let me see your gun let me hold your gun dude uh yeah yeah yep yeah so uh, basically uh this is where oh yeah we hinted at it at the end of last episode um Fun fact, who is Bernie, this Xeon Pilots voice actor? It's shockingly, it is uh, Solid Snake. It's David Hatter. Yeah. In a very early, not recognizable role. But this is the, this is the same time that he's, like, he's doing, like, this is between Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, right? Is it? Because it's like his second IMDb credit. Oh, maybe maybe they recorded it early. Oh, you know what? I didn't look up the tape release. I wonder if this. I bet this came out on tape. Let's look. I I looked up the air like the English air date was like right basically right when Metal Gear Solid Two came out. But now I'm questioning if this got yeah. a limited run on VHS tape. He so this is listed as being released in like what 2001. Something like that for yeah. like the yeah for the old DVDs and the tsunami run. It's yeah, he recorded this in 1989. Oh wow, they dubbed it that far back. Yeah, he's credited as recording it. Well, you know, maybe that's just because the way IMD does the IMDb does the because credit. the show came out in 1989. Yeah, let's let me let me dig in, in Japan. Japan. Anyway, it's his second credited role, and it does not sound like anything else he's ever done. Like no. you know, like. The guy who did Spike Seagull or like the guy who did Solid Snake, anytime he pops up on anything, you're like, oh, that's clearly Solid Snake. That's David Hyder right there. Done. You know it's him. You don't even have to look it up. I did not know until Blaine told me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, Bernie is uh, Solid Snake. Um, Looks very Char like. Char? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he grabs his uh, Owl's camcorder and looks at his creeper footage. Yeah, so basically they wrestle over Al's camera, um, and Al basically gives it up for um, Bernie's rank insignia. Um, and all he does is like takes the video out and like disappears in like another Cyclops team Zaku. Yeah, there's a like you know unit there for recovery, and so he runs over to it and they fly off. And Which then- is even more surprising why nobody ever showed up at this crash site right well, you have to remember that the officials in ria are like brain dead paralyzed on any kind of crisis right like they're we see with white base they are not only neutral they are not prepared for what happens if things are no longer neutral right um so they're and they probably have either a false sense of security or the a lot of the security is like maybe elsewhere because the stuff with white base at this point is like 10 days before this. So, because we've, we've jumped ahead a little bit in time from when we exactly start the series, but 
Um, and, and the exact, I have to say that the exact date of events of this show. So I, I watched this on my old DVD set, which is the Bandai DVDs. There are inserts with the dates of when things happen in the episodes. Um, oh. But, but some of the uh, things on the insert are literally wrong. Like they have mm -hmm. the wrong events on the wrong episodes and some of it doesn't really work for um, like I tried to, as I went along, Mark, when the days pass and you have to be very generous at times on like when days skip over and things like that. So, yeah. And I forgot to mention earlier in this, the, so they, they relaunched the Cyclops team and they added a new pilot and it was kind of like a sarcastic ad of this pilot. Um, well, they, they requested one thing and one thing only an experienced pilot. So they gave them Bernie, <laughs> Bernie. Um, yeah. So yeah, the kids are celebrating a canceled class. Uh, they don't really seem to know what's going on. Um, you know, there's, you know, mobile suits fighting in the, in this, the city, but they don't really get that. Um, but we do see that Xeon is what Xeon's after with this attack. They're, they want that mobile suit that's in that box. Um, and they, they saw, you know, Bernie showed them the video that, um, that Al had taken. And he said, there's, there's something in here. We didn't say this, but he traded it for a real Xeon rank badge. Yeah. I said that. Did you say that? I didn't hear you. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you know, you listening to me is like me watching some of these episodes and like missing like huge scenes. <laughs> 20 minutes of the 23 minute episode. I don't know what happened. <laughs> don't worry. We're a little, we're a little wonky right now, but we, we can write the ship. Um, so like, yeah, yeah, we're on Granada. Right. And then that's where we see the Cyclops team and we learn what you mentioned about them, you know, getting the new pilot. Um, but you know, so kind of what they go through is like, you know, Bernie's there to, with meeting with the team and you're, um, you know, seeing the uh, commander there, uh, Steiner, who we saw in the, you know, yelling about Andy. The old guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're introduced formally to Garcia and Mikhail. Um, so it is uh, some Puerto Rican guy and some Russian guy. Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Misha or something like that. Yeah. It, so his name is Mikhail, but they call him Misha. Uh, and then Steiner is definitely like space Tom Selleck. Anyone else get that vibe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, right. Yeah. So yeah, they're going, they're kind of going over what their mission is going to be. And so what Bernie's going to do is pilot a vessel disguised as a commercial trading ship into side six. And then inside will be a new model of mobile suit. So that's a new Xeon mobile suit. Um, Xeon mobile suit? Yes. Inside Bernie, because this is the oh, okay, okay, okay. Bernie's taking the side six. Yeah, they're sneaking it in. Yep. And then the others will be disguised as civilians, like arranging for its transport. And then Bernie takes that new Xeon mobile suit uh, to the spaceport in side six and gives this mission the code name of Operation Rubicon. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I did. I thought I skipped it and then I said I skipped it, but I was really, but you were exactly on time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. So we go back to Al again after this, this kind of flashback 
and we see that Al is a bad student. Um, he's also lazy and stupid. And instead of studying, he sneaks out of his house again. Um, so the colony still hasn't cleaned up the Zaku. Um, all they did was really st stripped up the weapon. So I guess they did they did visit the Zaku at a certain point. Like they were there, they just took all of like the stuff that blows up. Yeah, lasers. yeah, I always just assumed that they didn't have the equipment to to move it. Yeah. Well, and they they mention at other points that there are G, like wrecked GMs all over the colony as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I did want to just point out is um, just before this scene, I had taken a funny, a note that kind of reads funny when I look back at it, it just says Al goes back to his room and thinks about Saku to Kai. <laughs> just like imagining him on his bed, thinking about that Zaku running around. <laughs> and holding hands with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah. All right. Okay. So yeah, they launch Operation Rubicon launches, right? So um, Bernie is acting as the pilot for this ship, um, and they put a dead person in the seat next to him um, because the idea is they're going to launch through this battle so that they 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 can rush into the colony undercover and be like, "Hey, save me." Um, and they like shoot a hole into the, the window of the transport, which I don't think they realize how space is a vacuum and that would just like ruin a lot of things for people. Well, they're both wearing suits. So I think they were, they, they were, but like, I don't think that he would have survived that happening if it happened in space. I'm going to just try to say, I mean, they're always wearing normal suits for just that kind of reason. Like yeah. It's a, yeah, yeah, but but imagine this. So, like the idea. So you're you're in a pressurized environment. Somebody shoots a hole in lane, glass. Lane. It sucks you out. No, I, I know. I just. It doesn't work like it does in real life in Gundam unless the plot calls for it to. <laughs> my, my thought process was always. Uh, Anytime they go into battle, they put their suits on, I, and then they go into like battle mode. And I would assume that does something to like make it so that not everyone dies if that happens. Yeah, they may adjust because they always like wear them in the vessel. It may be that they're doing some pressure adjustment or something. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. I, I have ways to just go. You know what? There's some fake space science that they're doing, and okay, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of particles keeps them safe. Yeah, I, I kind of took it as like they put a body next to Bernie that was just. I thought it was just knocked out and then they shoot it with a rocket. And he's like, I was oh. wondering who that corpse was. Like where did they have this just random corpse? Yeah. Like I just assumed it was like, must've been a prisoner or something on Granada and then they knock him out and then, did you know, surplus of these or. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Bernie's just looking and it, Bernie doesn't know why they're doing this. And as the viewer, the first time through, you don't really know. Um, it's not until like they, they land at side six and they're like, you know, trying to give their excuse for, you know, all like why they need to land and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, um, like then you figure it out, but yeah, he's just sitting there and there's this guy that he's assuming is just knocked out and then nah, he's dead now. They just shot a rocket at it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah. we, we actually get a pretty cool, fight scene it's a uh, mobile suit space fight scene here uh, it's 
probably the best like battle scene of the show in my opinion yeah i mean you don't get a lot of choices for that so yeah. that's fair um you get to see uh, another new type of gm here it's uh, the gm command space type mm. which means these are different colors new kit yep uh, so right anyway yeah al is uh, excuse me bernie is a uh, uh because of this battle, like they're they're able to say this commercial transport Aquaverde needs landing clearance to get in. I like their fake name. That's pretty good, Aquaverde. Uh, yeah, so they get in, and you know now they have to get through customs because that's the first thing you do when you're in the middle of a battle. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy out there. They got my buddy. Who's uh, the rocket? Yeah, so th there's like a whole long scene where like they're basically pressuring the the customs agent to get through and like accept like their yeah, documentation and all this documentation. And he's missing something, so then Steiner pops out and starts like pleading with him, "Please, our company's gonna fail if we don't bring get this shipment. Our entire company hinges on this one shipment." Yeah, the guy, the guy just kind of lets it happen. Well, and, and Bernie's alias is Walter Peterson, which is in Gundam. I feel like that's a very obvious alias. And <laughs> no one's got a good name like that. Yeah. Like nobody has just a regular name like that in Gundam. <laughs> so that guy at side six was probably like, this name, this is like a regular person's name. This is suspicious. Your name isn't Waltergson. Fairchild. <laughs> um, yeah. Think about heroes or saving things. It's fine. I love it. I love it. So um, this episode closes out with um, Al kind of like walking down the street and then like almost getting hit by a, a truck and then realizing that uh, Bernie's in that truck. So he uh, runs after it. And a brilliant special forces guy who's undercover in the colony sticks his face out to yell at someone and draw attention to himself, which was smart. Yeah. But you know, the, the other thing that is uh, interesting here to me is that Al is chasing this truck and when it's at a red light is able to jump on its back, even though it's been going for a while and he was on the ground. And I just thought back to Amaro chasing that bus. His dad was on <laughs> and I was like, wow, I guess, yeah, all the vehicles on side six are are really slow. 15 mile per hour speed. Uh, yeah, I thought about that too because he was like moving and he's like, let me just run a little harder and I'll keep up with the truck. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe you just run fast on, on, on the sides. Space yeah. science. Maybe like he's going downhill and it's with the rotation of the colony. So he's getting a nice speed boost that for some reason the vehicle didn't. Maybe it just turned around. Let's not even let's not try to work this out. <laughs> we need a science person to make this make this work. Um, all right, yeah. So episode three, at the end of the rainbow. Um, so basically, uh, Al at this point goes to the police, um, and he's like. Uh, you know, trying to tell him about the truck that it's like 
Xeon pilots, yada, yada, yada. They're ignoring him. And then he's like, oh, wait, they hit me and they drove away. Um, and then they were like, oh, well, that's important. Did we say he got flung off of the back of it? Like that's like he he was like all scuffed up and bruised and like that's yeah. why he got flung off of the back of uh, Garcia's truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but the, the cops really only cared when they're like, "Well, the truck hit me and drove away." And they're like, "Oh, well, then it's serious. We'll look into it." Or um, he, maybe these are like these are like cops in America, and he tells them that a non-white person was driving, and they're like, "Oh, wait, oh." <laughs> Yeah, you got to write that wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so so the cops do some digging and they they Tells find the license plates on their computers. Yeah, they they look those license plates up. They find out where the uh, the truck is, and they go. Up, they take Al to this warehouse um, that they're unloading everything at. Al suspiciously remember uh, unsuspiciously remembered the entire license plate number. <laughs> yeah, the truck that allegedly spontaneously hit him. <laughs> yeah, but then, uh, yeah. So once, but so Bernie's. Ba excuse me, I get their names wrong all the time. Al was basically just using this as a way to get back to where they were. But then, right. when the cop actually gets suspicious about the containers. It's when he runs up to Bernie and he's hugging him. And he's like, "Big brother, oh, I just made up the story to get my big no, brother." So that's that's part of the story, but he he only really freaks out when he sees them pulling the guns to kill the cop. Yeah, he just starts whipping out a gun, and Garcia whips out his like switchblade, which is going to help. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, and then he runs up to Bernie. He's like, "Oh, Bernie, I love you. Please don't kill the cop, Bernie. I love you, my big brother." Yeah, um, but yeah. Bernie does scold Al for being a narc, at least. Yeah, yeah. And Al loses his cred with the cops, which definitely never comes back to burn him. Burn. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the um, burn. He basically starts begging to be part of the team. Yeah. Um, and Senator basically is like, yeah, yeah, sure, you can be part of the team. It's cool. Um, we'll tell you what we're doing. Here's a, here's a badge. Don't worry about that. Just, uh, you know... Help us out, you know, uh, point out uh, some stuff on this map for us. Yeah, why don't you tell us where you took that video we saw? Yeah, well, in, in the team, the Cyclops team really doesn't seem to care for Bernie either. Um, so my note yeah, for this is Dion and the DNC conspire against Bernie to keep him away. So he's, Bernie's can't get a break. Well, he's he's a he's he's a total noob, and he's got like that um, stigma because his first time ever out in his mobile suit, he lost his Zaku. Yeah, well, we don't know that at this point, but they just basically don't. No, no. Before he got, but before he got um, put on the Cyclops team, they when they called him in to put him on the Cyclops team, they they he was getting made fun of. By oh, them. okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's like he's got that stigma about him. Like he's he's brand new. He's had one total mission, and and on that mission, he lost his entire mobile suit. So, which which is funny because when he and Al go off together, the first thing Bernie tells uh, Al is that he's one kill away from becoming an ace pilot. Which, which learned from in the real world, that's five kills. It what the context of these shows? It it could be one. <laughs> you're always you're all one kill away. 
I think Misha actually makes fun of him and says, oh, you've, you've only got four kills. I would have thought you'd have 20 by now. Or maybe it was Garcia. One of the two of them um, makes fun of him for it. So I think, I think they, it was Garcia. What's that? I think it was Garcia. Yeah, so I think they use the same like metric for what an eight, what constitutes an ace, um, which I've brought up before. I feel like you'd think there'd be a lot of those given how many people die in this war. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, Chris uh, and Bernie meet up, um, and she beats Bernie up with a baseball bat. Okay, so yeah. yeah. What we have here is Bernie drives Al back to his house, right? And him off, and then Bernie's sitting in the car out front because that insignia they gave Al is a basically a listening device. And, yeah, so Bernie's just basically there to make sure this kid doesn't narc any further, right? And then Al's mom leaves the house. Al's doing his homework, and I guess Bernie is outside of the house at some point, and Chris knocks him out with a ball bat thinking he was a stalker prowler guy. And he was in the bushes too, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, around the side of the house. It yeah. What he was doing there. It just said that it just said that he was walking. It was like creeping around the side of the house. She, she whacked him. Yep. Yeah. So she beats him up uh, because she thinks he's basically a peeping Tom. Um, and, and really like, I don't even. I, all right. So Al comes out, basically stops her from attacking him, and he's like, "Oh, this is my brother," and and she must be like, "Well, yeah, I guess your family is full of peeping toms, so you know, it's all good. I believe that he's your brother." I thought I, I thought she kind of accepted it really easily. I know that he ended up. I think he ends up explaining that it was like his half brother from his dad from another marriage. Or right, something. right, right, right. There's like some convoluted story. That she just accepts, even though like it's implied at certain points that she's known the family for a while, or at least known well, she, she for a while. Like, I think she said childhood friends, but I think I, I, t- I read that as like she was his babysitter or something. Yeah, right. but, remember. So one thing I don't think we have mentioned at all is Al's parents are separated at this point. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I think it's uh, she's maybe just thinking, okay, maybe this is. Um, new other mom's son and we're not going to talk about this and that's the way i take it yeah i get that she's like their family situation is complicated i don't want to get involved and and you're not wrong uh i just thought it was just funny how easily she accepted oh you've you've got like a you know 18 to 20 year old brother that we've never seen before yeah (laughs) or heard of uh cool but anyway, now they all go over to her house for tea and or whatever. And uh, in ice. Yep. And Chris's dad talks about her being in the federal forces. And she's like, oh, I just do data collection. Okay. Yeah. And then Al is a complete idiot. And he's like, oh, yeah, Bernie's a soldier, too. <laughs> and uh, Bernie's dumb. He's a real soldier. Or Al, both Bernie and Al are pretty dumb. Um Al, 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 dumb, but Al is like super gonna get people killed. Dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we see, we get to see that there is a mobile, the mobile suit that is inside the Xeon storage truck, or we see part of it because they're kind of assembling it. Um, that was like a pretty big, pretty big freaking task. Like three dudes are assemb- like hand assembling a, 
a mobile suit from like parts. Yeah, you got to remember this is a. So you do not get this from the show whatsoever, but it's the camp for being assembled, and that is part of the uh, Payzoon Project series of suits. So of course it is not entirely like complete. It's basically a prototype. So it, it it's sort of unspoken to me that they give them most of it, but they're like, look, if you wanted it this fast, you've got some assembly required. Um, I kind of read it as uh, it was broken down so that they could sneak it in on the cargo containers. And that was kind of, that was the only like context. Yeah, I got. that's what I got too. That makes a lot more sense. I thought about that too hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it felt like it was basically like they folded oh, as much as they needed to, to get it into the colony and like one big box. That being said, we've established that a, an entire mobile suit can fit into a small cargo shipping container. Yeah. So. Hey, look. Wait, no, that's the opposite of how Gumbla works. Never mind. <laughs> they're, they're a lot smaller than the box once you put them together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so w we find out that Bernie lied about almost being an ace, and everybody on the team mocks him viciously. But now we do find out Bernie does have one kill. Who did he kill? Did he kill the GM pilot? That uh, that's kind of the way I took it, or it's just off screen and we never saw it. Mm. Um, you know, maybe it was in that battle before, you know, maybe like the part where he's, uh, like, you know, before they were in the colony and he got shot down, uh, it could have happened, but yeah, they, they laugh about it and say that he had, uh, he has one kill. He's not one kill away. He just has one. Yeah, I remember seeing like part of the when they do like a flashback to the scene where he's fighting in it. I think it does show him like shooting a mobile suit, maybe. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch it again, but I, I think it does show him shooting it. Yeah, but anyway, we've seen the camp first, and so now we um, see a space battle really quick, but it's just Chris in the simulator for um, the RX 78 NT1 Alex. This is our first good shot of it, um, and it has. As far as some of the improvements made, it has a 360-degree monitor, which is something that we see a lot in uh, subsequent series and mobile suits and things like that. Uh, and it has some magnetic coating, which is something that the normal Gundam gets um, in the show, but it's a little bit after this point in that part. So um, this is a uh, it, it's the mechanic mentions it's specifically built for new types, and that they will be sending it to some pilot on the white base. Um, so that is uh, uh, not so many words. They're saying this one is Amaro's. Yeah, yeah. She and and they very specifically like, sh like she basically is inferring that she can't handle this machine, and that's where it comes up with that. Oh, this was built for new types, and um, she's like, oh wow, and it, like, you know, they're all kind of like impressed by how the machine works, and like she she kind of like takes it as an insult at the same time. Like she doesn't. She doesn't take it badly, but she's like, what, you don't think I can handle this? And But, like, the inference is, no, she, she can't handle it. She this. really can't, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Al and Bernie go out on the Al and Bernie adventures again. Um, and they are looking for the Federation base in the colony, the one where the Alex is being tested. Yeah, um, they, they see a building that says FDT on the side. And... And they, there's at one point they say the treaty between the Federation and Side Six hasn't been signed. Um, so is there? 
I don't know if is there a certain point where like there is a treaty signed that that mm -hmm. a lot allies them together because I know like down the line they like basically the Fed, uh, side six rejoins the federation. Yeah, it's not until after the war. Um, right. Characters don't know that after the war is uh, in, in a couple weeks at the spray. But yeah, um, it is uh, uh, the assumption here. So Bernie's, I, I kind of zoned out for a lot of this because I was like, okay, Bernie is giving exposition on side six's neutrality to someone not as familiar with the overall series uh, or as familiar with Gundam. And um, my assumption here, the reason he mentions that is that after the incident with white base and Conscon fleet um, side six is basically like, okay, Federation, like we want to figure out how you can protect us. Um, so let's get talking. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh... So they know that they've found the right building when Al notices that the gate guard that they can see is the one that, uh, found him when he and kicked him out of the base when he snuck in. Right. So they they go around trying to find their way to get to this mobile suit because they think they know where it is. Um, and like all of the the doors are like sealed shut and they can't get past them. Um, and they eventually end up putting on some space suits and going outside of the colony and doing uh, a free jump. Um, where they can get to the mobile suit together. And at the end of episode three, they find the Alex. Yeah. Um, I, I actually like that little scene with them, uh, you know, having to go outside the colony and then traverse some of it and go back in. I thought it was a creative way to show how they get to where they need to go that helped give like it really gives some context for the setting. Like it reminds you, Hey, they're in space in some colony, even though a lot of the setting of the show just makes it look like they're you know, in anywhere. Right. Um, so I, I liked that little scene. It's just a small detail uh, that I think it's one of those things this show does well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, it, it very much felt like the adventures of, Alan Bernie. <laughs> well, and episode four is even called over the river and through the woods. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Xeon ships are in mass being deported from Riyadh since they wouldn't apologize for the attack. So this is kind of like a follow-up to a handful of the incidents that have happened at this point, both the white base and I'm assuming this most recent one that happened on the colony we're watching. Um, so basically, they're like, no, nope, Zion, get the fuck out. Yep, they have uh, 24 hours to uh, to get out for their second violation of neutrality in Riyadh. This, and they do mention, oh, no, that might just be my note. Never mind. We'll move on. Um, so Bernie and Al go back to, uh, to, to the rest of the Cyclops team. No, I think it's just Bernie, actually. Um, and he gets uh, beat up by Garcia for going out and doing recon without permission for the rest of the team because they're basically yeah. like, you could have, you know, burnt our cover and everything with all of this. Well, and the other thing, and this is, I think, uh, a little bit foreshadowing of something um, later on. So 
before we see this, uh, we have a shot of Garcia at a bar and he orders a flat beer and that's code to the bartender. And so the bartender then gives him a map and it's like uh, literally just a map and blueprints of the Federation base um, and a letter to give to Steiner. And so you basically learn that all this work that Alan Burney did to get like sneak in and get these pictures and all that was completely pointless and they didn't have to. Yep. Yeah, I thought that immediately upon seeing that. I'm like, man, they wasted a bunch of time. I mean, I mean and, and and that's partially the Cyclops team's fault, right? Because they basically they're kind of um, keeping them out of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you you hope that somebody's not dumb, but at the same time, you get you get what you ask for in these situations. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, then uh, Steiner does break it out and uh, or excuse me, break up that little fight and. Um, but he does tell him to like, you know, calm down and go ask that bartender for uniforms. Yeah. That's what he tells him to do. And he drives a uh, owl home. And then you get this, um, one of the few moments where Al isn't a total piece of crap. Um, you know, Al is like asleep in the car by the time they get back and Bernie, like his stuff kind of falls. Uh, and, and he's looking at Al's doodle of the Cyclops crew um, laughs about his hair being wrong. Uh, but then he also like, it's because he's looking at this, you know, kind of heartwarming picture uh, that Al has drawn of him and Bernie, like holding hands and their best buds. So, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy that. Yep. But, uh, you know, then he's, he takes Al to Chris's place saying, uh, Oh, it's so, you know, it's a cover for Al and his mom, but he's really just trying to, trying to talk to Chris. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it, info is, seems to be getting out about the, the Gundam and, or the mobile suits in general, but I think the Gundam as well. And, but the kids are like picking on Al because he's more of a big fan of the, the Xeon suits than he is of the Federation. And, and the kids at this point are like pretty hardcore on the Federation side as well. Yeah, it, seem, it seems like we're starting to see that, that initial sense of support for the Federation in the colony, but Al is just kind of stubbornly a Zeon fan. I think it's not even just the mobile suits. I think it's like he thinks Zeon is the good guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then like, like Scotty mentioned, Bernie is, uh, he wants to quote unquote, get information from Chris. I'm sure that's exactly what, what he wants to get from her. Um, <laughs> So now we've got more Cyclops team stuff because yeah. they're still doing things. Uh, we've got uh, Mikhail picking up some tools and Garcia casually planting bombs in a building. And uh, none of this is really super subtle to me, yet they still play some like James Bond sounding music. Dun, dun. Uh, but, but they also mention at a certain point um, when he's when they're getting the uniforms. Um, yeah, I was about to get to that. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I will let you get to it then. I'll let you get to it. No, you go ahead. Um, yeah, so basically the, the conversation is like, you want us to do all this stuff, but you don't have a way for us to get out of the colony, do you? And there's like a, eh, kind of <laughs> shrug, like it's up to you to get out of the colony on your own. Um, so this is basically, the, the figure, this is a suicide mission. They are a low equity 
um, group of people that if they get if they succeed with their mission, great. If they don't, well, your loss. <laughs> yeah, and, and Steiner kind of he tells the uh, bartender we learn his name is Charlie, right? Because they meet out in the park. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very clandestine. Um, not really, but uh, anyway, you know, Charlie's like you know your decoys, right? And Steiner's like I know, like I know we when they gave us the rookie when Andy went down and said we had to find our own escape shuttle, like we knew what was up. Like we know we've dealt with this and processed this and just doing our job as soldiers, basically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he tells them their passports will arrive in two days, which is kind of gives you the timing of when they're going to be trying to, uh, run their operation. And, uh, Charlie's like, um, I think you should just run because the war will end soon. Yeah. Yeah. But of course a good soldier wouldn't do that. Um, I mean, they're better than Shiro at least. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um, yeah. So Al finds out that they're going to the, the test facility. And so he goes to it, of course, while they're getting ready to infiltrate it. Um, so while basically, while Bernie and his group are infiltrating the test facility, the the camphor launches, and this is the MS-18E. You look you look confused. Is, is, was I wrong? Oh, I just I didn't know if we wanted to go over what their plan is. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's about the point where they talk about it. Yeah. So after Charlie and Steiner meet in the park, so the next day they're talking about what their plan is for Operation Rubicon. And um, so they've basically set up weapons around the city area, around the base in three different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikael is going to be the pilot and is a decoy through town. And then the others at that point will infiltrate the Federation facility and escape through different routes individually. And um, the ones in the facility, the idea is that they will um, hopefully be able to like disable the Gundam or steal it or you know, whatever they were doing. And um, the the bombs that Garcia, we see him planting are the idea is that they will blow a hole in the colony that they will be able to escape through. So yeah. that if they can find some transport, they'll be able to get out that way. Um, so then, yeah, now they're in the Federation uniforms. Um, there's a strange scene with Al in a medical center talking to a guy in a wheelchair. Um, and it's kind of, anyway, the guy's name is Richard and he's clearly some kind of like political activist or something there. Uh, so I think he was Chris's boss on the test team. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was like a scientist. She coordinated, she coordinated, like he asked her to go, um, to like go see the, base and she like he like she like coordinated the interview and then he kind of like snuck off while he was in there yeah because he knew they were going to be there and he wanted to be there as well yeah but um yeah anyway so this is where um it's at this point though that uh, operation rubicon is launching because we learned from the the night before the day before when they go through the briefing that they're going to be doing this at 1600 hours and then this is happening with al after school um so, um, yeah, so now they're, now they start the operation, uh, 
just want to note, Mikhail's plan for a distraction is to just like drive the camper right up Main Street. Yeah. Blow mm-hmm. right through the middle of town. Yeah. My my note for this is lots of shooting and death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you also have the rest of the team infiltrating the Federation base. Um, and Bernie is uh, trying to distract a troop outside and fakes an Australian accent. And this is one of those funny things that like, Sometimes I don't notice this kind of stuff in, uh, in in shows, but I mean, even like the first time I watched it, he's talking in Australian, making small talk, and it's December, and he's like, "Oh yeah, th- um, uh, this time of year, uh, Sydney would be all covered in snow." And I was like, "Oh man, he messed up. Mm. He no. messed up so bad." No, Bernie. Um, so yeah, and then we also get a shot after Mikhail launches in the uh, camp for. Uh, of a, uh, I had to look this up, but the ship is a Pegasus class ship being brought in to side six. It is the Gray Phantom. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I, think it's part of the plan. Yeah, I didn't catch the name the very first time that they said it, and I was like, "Oh God, what is this? The white base coming here?" And then I saw the side of it, it said Gray Phantom, and yeah, paying better attention. Yeah. So, so um, the camphor blows up the school. Um, lots of things getting blown up in general. Um, yeah, Al leaves the hospital. The Federation guard realizes Bernie messed up. Yeah. And and now they're holding up the Cyclops team, but then, uh, that Mexican standoff lasts for like no time and a fight starts. Yeah. So this whole, yeah, this whole thing just kind of falls apart for the Cyclops team at this point. Yeah. Um, the colony is getting blown up pretty badly. Um, and then the, we see that uh, the captain of the Cyclops team is Steiner. Yep. Steiner gets shot up pretty, pretty hardcore. Uh, uh, about this is when uh, Bernie broke away from the guy in the wheelchair, he stole his key card and is like sneaking through the base at this point to try and find them. Yeah. And then he does, and he gets there in time to see uh, Garcia get, um, get like wrecked. hit. Not like killed dead, but like violently hit. He gets lit up man, by like a lot of bullets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, th- they say their plan for the Alex was to either take it or blow it up. Um, yeah. And so, since Garcia's pretty much, since this whole operation has fallen apart at this point, Garcia's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suicide on this thing. Um, and so he basically crawls up the these steps to like get near the Alex and, mm-hmm. uh, and then he gets shot. <laughs> so he doesn't even get to suicide it. Right. Um, so like they, it blows up at like the near the legs of the Alex, but it doesn't really seem to do any damage to it at all. Really. Um, other than have some of the building collapse on top of it. No, I think it's still like, um, it's still covered up at this point. Yeah. It, well, so it's covered up in multiple ways. So like, it's wearing, I think it has like an external set of armor and then it's also yeah, just like the, the, the ohm something or ohm something or other armor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, as, and, and now we see Chris kind of running around as well. She's basically like, Oh, I've got to stop the camphor. Um, and yep. then as she jumps into it, um, the, the wreckage and everything injures Al as well. 
So uh, we have to, we need to hit the reason that Chris gets called in. Um, so you see the camphor outside, the feds are uh, trying to attack it. They end up firing at it and they get a small hit in, but like the camphor hits his school. Like it destroys the school. Right. Um, the gray phantom that we saw launches uh, what they call the Scarlet team, which is a cool name. Uh, some GM sniper units, GM gun cannon. Uh, but yeah, the camper takes out the gun cannon pretty easy, um, which then the gun cannon crashes into the city. Um, and then the camper eventually just kills the rest of that team. So cool name, but they get owned pretty bad. Yeah. So I was, I was doing some reading on the camper and it was apparently it's, it's a strike mobile suit. So it's really not an armored mobile suit. It's not meant to take a lot of damage, but it's meant to basically run in and just blow things up really effectively and then get out of there. Um, and if it doesn't need to sort of sustained battles, it's not really designed for that type yeah. of warfare. Yep. And I'm, I'm glancing over at the master grade of it that I've been restoring and whew, that has, um, it's got those two big leg rockets. It has two like shotgun rifle kind of armaments. Um, basically it can use one up, drop it off the stock and grab another one from its like back hip. Um, it, if it runs out of ammo, it uh, has two beam sabers stored like within its outer hips. It's actually kind of a neat mechanism. Uh, it has dual bazookas mounted to the back uh, and also a whole like string of mines to lay. And I probably forgot something else. Like it, it's loaded. No. Now imagine if it, they actually had a good pilot for it. He is he, he's pretty good. He's not bad. Yeah, he, he takes out. He, he does he does well. He does well. But I mean imagine if they had like a good pilot for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know. Anywho, so yeah, because the Scarlet team has gotten pwned, um the Grey Phantoms like doesn't have anything immediately ready to sortie and so that's why they call in Chris to fight because she's close by. They're like, we can put her in the Alex and she can go and just, you know, stop that thing. So now Alex versus camp for fight. And Al watches. One thing I'll say about the fight is I know you guys made comments about the battles not being very good. One thing I thought they did really well was to kind of show like the weight of the bullets and the blows back and forth between the two in this fight specifically. Like when she's like mm -hmm. shooting her little Gatling gun at him, you hear like the, the very like heavy clangs of the bullets and stuff. So it's so, like there's a lot of weight to it, which they didn't do very well in any of the other scenes. I didn't think the sound design is very good. Yeah. Like I, I was impressed by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're fighting the camper actually uses that mind strip and it, it like it basically it hits the Alex with it and yeah, it explodes. Thing was badass. Yeah. So Misha is like, oh, I got this thing, but uh, all he manages to do is destroy that outer armor. Yeah. yeah. It falls off and then you get your classic uh, mobile suit Gundam color scheme on it. Yep. And uh, we also learn at this point, this, this is where the arm mounted minigun comes into play that you mentioned. Camper's kind of running out of armaments at this point. Like this is supposed to be the point where it's trying to GTFO. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Chris, gets the minigun going and, and waste, just waste the camphor. Uh, Mikhail's dead. And it's like after this, that you have the explosion that happens, which is 
now there's a hole in the colony. They were going to escape through it, but nobody's there to use it. So yeah, no, it, a hole in the colony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the episode ends and Al's like, you know, finds Bernie with a very wounded uh, Steiner and uh, Bernie is just surprised by someone sneaking up on him and points a gun at Al. Um, and then the episode ends and, uh, but you know, this episode ends and it's safe to say operation Rubicon, uh, it has failed. A catastrophic failure. Has it failed? Bernie's yeah. still alive. It, <laughs> it's failed completely. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Th that's what happens when you send the B team for a mission like this. Well, we say that, but Amaro never gets that suit. It's true. Yeah. Um, but of course, this isn't why we're gonna we're gonna get to that. But I think we're running a little long here. So yeah. Trivia before we go. One little trivia question. Anyone know what where the name Alex came from? Mm, uh, at one point, but I, I definitely don't remember offhand. It means uh, it's an acronym for Armored Layers Experimental. <laughs> what a terrible acronym! It was designed to have the multiple layers of of like, and I looked it up. It's the Chobam armor. So this is probably why I forgot because I looked at it and went, "Wow, that's really stupid." And you know, <laughs> it's it a memory. <laughs> it was pretty dumb. Yeah. This is like a precursor for all of them wearing like those expendable armor suits. I think they came up with the idea of Alex. Um, I'm reading that it was like wordplay on RX. And then they just like kind of made it fit a little that bit. Makes, that makes more sense thinking about a Japanese person saying RX. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I don't mean that in like a jokey way. I mean, you know, the, the sounds are. No, Al Alex and RX phonetically are very similar in Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah, just wait until uh, Seed, if you ever watch that, uh, where Gundam itself is literally an acronym. Oh yeah. yeah, giant unarmed <laughs> mecha doing amazing <laughs> nothing. I don't know. Experimental. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that, uh, it turns out we are going to do this in two episodes. So <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, I I I knew about midway through episode two we were going to end up with uh, two episodes so <laughs> well um so yeah catch us next week we or in two weeks we will do um episodes five and six and wrap up double eighty war in the pocket um and we'll go from there um thanks again check us out on twitter at new type flash pod um you can hit us all up our our Names are in our bio and the show bio notes. Um, and feel free to tweet at us or hit us up on Reddit as well. Um, until then, we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Sweet. Yeah.